Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I'll be joined by Matt Baxendale in just a moment. We're going to talk all about the Ohio State offensive line today. We've been talking about these guys all offseason. We finally got a chance to interview them yesterday after practice. Interviewed several of the offensive linemen, all five projected starters, a couple of the backups, projected backups, and as well as offensive line coach Justin Fry. We have coverage on the site, so make sure you check all of that out. Bax and I are going to get into that. Before I do, I want to let you know about our sponsor. We are thrilled to be partners with them, Manscaped.com. There's a reason this is one of the most popular companies in our country right now. Manscaped.com, you can go there and because of the Bucknuts Morning 5, get 20% off, use the code Bucknuts, and get free shipping. So 20% off and free shipping, so go to Manscaped.com, use the code Bucknuts, get 20% off and free shipping. All kinds of shaving supplies shaving products, creams, oils to help with all that. So go to manscaped.com, code Bucknuts, 20% off free shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, let's bring in the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Offensive line. Um, It feels like the pieces have come together. We'll see how the pieces fit and how they perform, but it does seem like from left to right, we're going to go with Josh, Jimmy Simmons, Left tackle, Donovan Jackson, of course, at left guard backs. I think Carson Hinsman at center, and he was impressive yesterday talking to the media. We'll get to that later. Uh, right guard, of course, Matthew Jones. And then right tackle, it looks like Josh Fryer, um, another guy that, that just he, – he's got – he's not just 6'6 six, six and big. He's got, like, long arms as well. Get into your thoughts overall about this uh, offensive line. Do you, do you like that starting five? And just uh, what are your overall thoughts about this group? Well, whenever we sat down right after spring football or, and then found out about Simmons' transfer, I think this is pretty close. It's probably the five guys, at least, that we would have thought were going to be the starters. Um, you know, I don't think we had brought Simmons in to sit, um, albeit, um, you know, I think the coaches were hoping for a little bit more from Zen Mikulski and from, from Tegra Shabola this year. Um, 
you know, at the end of the day, I think the only real surprise is that Fryer and Simmons switched spots at tackle. Uh, I think a lot of us thought Simmons might be the right tackle and Fryer would be the left tackle, but it switched up here for the spring. And, um, you know, maybe that's because they feel more confident in Simmons in pass protection. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this isn't a shock where we're at really here. Um, I'm interested to see how Simmons adjusts to playing big time football. This isn't San Diego state anymore, but he's certainly one of the most experienced linemen in the program based on that experience he had prior to coming to Ohio state. So, you know, I'm not that surprised that this is where we got to Dave. Uh, I, I think that really this is the betting favorite in terms of the five on the field. The only real surprise is who's at which tackle and, you know, if they're holding their own against what is a very good group of defensive ends for Ohio state and what should be a pretty strong group of D tackles, then you have to be confident and we'll go from there. You know, I think O-line certainly going to have some question marks to ask or to answer once the year gets going just because of all the new starters. But this is sort of where we thought we would end up when we found out Simmons was transferring. Again, we'll get to Hinsman in a moment. I, I recognize the fact that having a redshirt freshman as the starting uh, center, um, that can be a, uh, that can be tricky, um, but um, I believe in him. Now, Vic Cutler is having a good camp as well. They like Vic Cutler. And he's pushing him for the job, but I think it'll be Hensman. But I will say this. I feel like I'm getting a feeling like if Josh Simmons, Josh, Jimmy Simmons, if he can lock down that left tackle spot, not just be the starter, but play well, it doesn't have to be elite. If he can be a good starting left tackle, maybe I'm overstating. I just feel like everything else is going to fall into place. I feel you know, both guards are, are mm -hmm. ready. I feel like Hensman's going to get the job done. I believe in Fryer at right tackle. I feel like if Simmons can be a good left tackle, that I mean, this could be a good offensive line. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think if you look at it too, Simmons doesn't have like the prototype frame, right? He's a he's a little smaller than some of the guy, other guys at tackle, but he's still a big guy. It's not like he's five eleven or something crazy here, right? We talk about size difference. There's there's a little bit of a a, a qualifier you have to put on it but he's the question mark right and how that's question is how does he adjust adjust to big time college football right um and now there's a lot of talk about you know simmons performance whenever he was at sdsu um how did he grade out how many penalties he took at the end of the day he's here to ohio state now and he's clearly done enough that these coaches feel more comfortable putting him on the field than they do uh you know mikulski shabola uh montgomery Right. These are the other guys that have been pushing for spots to start. So I agree with you. I think if he can come together and he can be a functional, solid left tackle for them, uh, you know, then the line's going to be all right. I think another discussion point, too, is, is that I almost wonder if they felt like because he's better in pass protection than than in the running game, that it was made more sense to swap him. And then you're going to see a lot more of the power run to the right side where the, you, know, you have Fryer, you have Jones, you can have Jackson pull in that direction. So that may be a strategic thought. And I, I'm curious to see if Ohio State runs the ball more in a certain direction um, this season. Um, and that's going to largely depend on whether Simmons is able to, you know, block in the running game um, with uh, with some, some vigor in his step, if you will. Because I think everybody's a little more confident in his pass protection than they are in his ability to really drive the guy in front of him backwards in a running play. I was impressed with Simmons's interview. I, I'm always curious how these guys are going to handle themselves in front of the media, especially really for the first time. We didn't get a chance to interview Carson Hensman last year. Um, he was a true freshman that wasn't playing, so they don't make those guys available to the media. No. Um, 
Um, so I was impressed with Simmons. Now, I wasn't over there with, when Simmons was being interviewed. I was uh, interviewing Hinsman and other guys. Um, so I went back and watched. I was impressed with Simmons. I was really impressed with with Hinsman. I sat there for the entire 10 minutes of Carson mm-hmm. Hinsman. Um, seems like a grown man at the age of 19, and that's what you have to be as the quarterback of the offensive line. Um, I already believed in him. Now, he's a, I think we forget, Bax. He, he came in, he said, about 273 pounds last year. He's up to 298. This man's put on 25 pounds. He looks good. He's 6'4", 298. Still wants to get stronger and, and bigger, of course. Um, Whipler was able to do it two years ago as a redshirt freshman. Um, I think it would be different if he was a true freshman. I think being, you know, his second year, I think Hensman's going to have a solid year. And I think, you know, it is nice that he's got Cutler at least there to push him and, and be ready if something happens to Hensman. Cutler's insurance, that's what he was from the start. The reality is, and, and we've talked about this before, Ohio State beat out Wisconsin for the top offensive lineman in the state of Wisconsin. So that kid immediately has uh, a little bit of a watch that kid written all over him because Wisconsin has been one of the best offensive line producers in terms of pipeline to the NFL for the last 20 years. So, you know, when you look at this and you see that kid come to Ohio State, the expectations are going to be high. And, you know, the reality is at the end of the day, We've seen a lot of young centers in the history of Ohio State. Remember Nick Mangold as a freshman, right? Remember Mike Brewster? I mean, there's been a lot of examples of guys that get it early and are just naturally inclined to the position. And I think this is another good example of a guy who's inclined to that position. And I have, I guess this sounds, this may sound crazy, but I have more faith in Hensman than I do either of the tackles right now. I, I just assume Hensman's going to be really, really good this year because everything we've seen from him is solid. Everything you hear about the kid is solid. All the, you know, theoretical building blocks of what you think a good young center is going to be is him. And I just I, I don't really have a lot of concerns about Hensman. Like you said, I I think he's just going to be really solid and he's only going to get better as, as, as he gets a little bit bigger. And Fryer, man, I mean, he, like I said, he's, he's listed at 6'6", 313. He's actually dropped some weight. And what I love, too, is he's got super long arms, super long arms. I mean, that's so – I mean, you can be 6'6 and have, yeah. you know, relatively short arms for a 6'6 guy. I mean, he's got, like, the – you know, they were saying he's got, like, the arms of the typical, like, 6'9 guy. I love that yeah. Fryer's got that road grader in him. That's It does make a lot of sense, even though Fryer did rep at left tackle. Um, and I believe Simmons played – uh, or excuse me, Fryer left. Yeah, Fryer repped at left tackle in the spring, and I believe Simmons played right tackle at San Diego State. But like looking at their body types, it does make sense. I'm pretty bullish about Fryer at right tackle this year, and he is a first year starter. But he has a start under his belt against Indiana last year. Really played the majority of the Michigan game. Was the you know the extra lineman and jumbo set. So he's got some decent experience under his belt for a first year starter. Yeah, and he's he's a monster. There's no question about it. You talk about that with tackles all the time, that wingspan, right? And that's uh, that's one of the – what they talk about Dewan Jones. He was six foot nine, but his wingspan was like seven two or something crazy like that. And for people who aren't aware, your wingspan is essentially supposed to be tip, fingertip to fingertip the same as your height. That's the average human, right? Like I am six foot tall almost exactly, and my wingspan is almost exactly six foot, right? So some of these guys who have those longer reach arms, like I remember Greg Oden had like a seven foot seven wingspan or something crazy when he was here, even though he's only seven foot. Um, You know, that's a big advantage when you come to playing sports and for offensive tackle, 
that's a huge advantage because if you're pass protecting, it allows you to get your hands out quicker, allows you to engage sooner before the guy you're blocking can engage on you physically. So that'll, that gives you more space to keep them out and away from you and direct them. It's a huge, huge thing. So I, I think that Fryer is a guy that, you know, we saw him start last year. He looked really good. That's a good indicator. He was always the, the, the first guy that they were, you know, talking about as the guy that they were going to bring out. Fryer, I have a lot of faith in too. Um, I, I, when I say I have the most faith in Hensman of the new three starters, Fryer is definitely one that is right up there with him, though. You know, I think it's just because I'm so confident in Hensman, not because I don't have faith in Fryer. I, I, I think he's going to be solid. I, I could easily see him being the point of attack uh, on a lot of really strong running plays this year. A lot of your power runs. He's going to be that big six foot six physical guy. He's bigger physically than Simmons. So, you know, when we talk about this, that that's at least what went to my mind. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, we put, we put Simmons a left tackle. What happened to Fryer? And I'm like, I could see this being a strategic thing. I think they think they're more confident that they can get a power run game with the pulling left guard and Jackson behind the bigger tackle to the right. So who knows? But that's just my initial thought process on it. I also found it interesting, bouncing back to Simmons, I found it interesting that he was talking about how having Donovan Jackson next to him is huge. And it is. I mean, Donovan Jackson – um, is the best offensive lineman on this team. He's mm-hmm. even getting like mentioned. He could be a first-round pick, leave early. I mean, not a lot of guards leave early. Um, now things are maybe are changing, but um, guards are getting paid more now in the NFL. Not but, a lot of guards are first-round picks either, Dave. That's true. I mean, and tackles. You know, I mean, maybe he, if, even if he was going to be a second-rounder, he would leave. But um, let's forget about mm-hmm. that. Let's forget about NFL. He'll play in the NFL, but we'll see when and you know where he's drafted later. But, I mean, this guy could be, and I think he needs to be. I think he needs to be. Maybe not a first-team All-American, though that'd be great. He needs to be at least like a, you know, All-American candidate type guy. You know, mm-hmm. first-team All-Big Ten, All-American candidate type guy. He needs to be the linchpin of this offensive line. Yeah, he has to be the dog. That simple. He has to be the number one guy. He has to be the alpha. He's your guy. You got a guy in Matt Jones at the other guard position who, who's a good veteran player, and I've always liked a lot. Uh, remember two years ago, I was – the one who was screaming to high heaven to get Jones on the field because we didn't need to be playing four freaking tackles. Um, but at the end of the day, Donovan Jackson came in as a five-star, immediately looked like a five-star, and has played like a five-star. So, you know, this is a guy who I think you have to be really confident in. Um, you know, the, the guards for Ohio State, I think, are going to be very strong this year. And like you said, Jackson, he, he's got to be one of – he's certainly a, a one of the top two guards in the Big Ten. I mean, this is a first-team Big Ten-level guy. This is a guy who's going to be competing for national recognition at the guard position. So that's another good thing is to have Simmons next to him. You know, that's going to allow Jackson to maybe mentor him a little bit, keep him, you know, gelling together well. And uh, that's part of an offensive line, too, is, is who gels what. I mean, let's face it, it's a five-man unit, and sometimes it's hard to get them all on the same page. So – you know, I think it's good that they've settled this early on who the five appear to be. It gets them a couple more weeks of reps together in camp. And then you get into the season. You got three games before Notre Dame that we should all be pretty confident in. So this is a good gradual curve for this offensive line to hopefully be one of the better lines in the Big Ten and in the country. All hopefully. Right, talk, I said we were going to talk mostly about the offensive line. We throw some other topics in there. Uh, Rick, actually – Rick on Facebook wants to know who is QB one in your opinion. You go first, Bax. What do you What do you got? Uh, I think that if you had told me in April that we knew the starting offensive line before we knew the starting quarterback, I'd have laughed. Um, we uh, we certainly got a 
ourselves a battle right here, Dave. Like this isn't this isn't like when you see Ryan Day kind of pulling it out to make sure nobody transfers. From what the openness we've had this year at camp, right? And I think the ability to see as much as everybody has seen has a major impact on the way we're talking about this. Because in the past, Ryan Day has been like, well, you know, we're still working on the side and blah, 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 blah. Sure, Justin Fields is the starter over Gunner Hope. Come on, let's be real here. Right. Right. Like he he plays it out sometimes a little bit for posterity's sake. He's not in this one, at least from what everybody can see. It seems like there's really not a lot of difference. You would have hoped maybe with an extra year in the program, McCord would have taken another step by now. Um, but it seems like he and Devin Brown are pretty darn tight right now. And, you know, Brown's a little more mobile. You have to wonder if the staff's confidence in the O-line is going to be, you know, impacting that quarterback position decision about maybe somebody with some wheels isn't a bad thing to have. I, I think that the biggest surprise right now to me is, is that we haven't seen that QB spot kind of grabbed and we do know who the offensive line is. So if I have to pick a QB one right now, I don't know, but I do know this. If it's even, if it's one you're not sure on, then the younger and more mobile guy probably has to get the opportunity, right? I mean, right. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. That's your logic on it, right? Is, is that I have an older guy who's had more time in the program who hasn't taken a step ahead of you on the flip side, you got a younger guy who's right there with him and who is more mobile. So you have an, hopefully an extra year of runway with him. And by the way, if you're not sure about this O-line at all, and somebody gets, you know, past Simmons, because it's, you know, let's say we're playing Notre Dame and somebody gets around Simmons. McCord is not as mobile as Brown. That's one of the differentiators, right? Well, Brown might be the one who can step up, escape and get away. Right. And that's gotta be a factor at some point if it's this tight of a battle and I didn't think it would be right. I've been joking for months that I'm rooting for Devin Brown because of the hilarity of a guy at 33 starting a quarterback, you know, but at the end of the day, that Laurinaitis Sawyer number, um, it's a real thing. He could start. And so I don't know right now. I I still think that if they're not sure they're going to give it to McCord, just let him see how he does against Indiana. But I'm telling you, if it's tight, and nobody's grabbing it, they're probably both going to play these first couple games a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of evolved into more for Brown as it went on. And I, like I said, I I think we all expected McCord to sort of grab this by the horns in April, and I don't think he's done that. So that's already sort of a demerit for him, if you will, compared to Brown who missed the last two weeks of spring, week of spring with an injury, right? It's so. uh, it's good for what we do. It's it, it adds drama. It adds excitement. You know, we have a legit quarterback battle because you mentioned even though Ryan and Ryan Day has, he's kind of come clean a couple times and admitted this is completely different than the charade that Justin Fields was in a quarterback battle as you mentioned earlier with Gunner Hoke and Chugs. And even he said he kind of let the cat out of the bag even with CJ a couple years ago. He yeah. CJ. He really doesn't know. I get the same feeling. I remember looking at Urban in the spring of 2018. And people are probably like, oh, he knew who his quarterback was. He's, he's like, no, you can see the pain on his face when he's talking about Dwayne versus Joe Burrow. It was like mm-hmm. he really didn't know. And for those that forget, like Urban never told Joe Burrow Dwayne won the job. He just mm-hmm. told Joe, I can't promise you're going to be the guy. And Joe's like, I've, you know, I've got to go somewhere where I'm going to be the guy. And we know how that story worked out. So we finally have, for the first time really since then, a legit quarterback battle. And it is yeah. interesting. 
I'm going to stick with my guns and say Kyle's going to trot out there with the starter 17 days from now. But, dude, I wouldn't bet a lot on it. I wouldn't bet anything on it. You know, I think it is very close, and you make a great point. I feel the same way. If it really is that close, go with the younger guy. Go with the more mobile guy if it's that close. Uh, and I, even if McCord starts, Dave, I would throw this out there. I could see McCord getting some reps and seeing how it goes, and I'm assuming having some success against Indiana. And then Devin Brown getting on the field. Like, I could see them putting Brown in in the first half against Indiana. Like, McCord goes out and has a field goal and a touchdown or whatever. All right, let's give Devin Brown a series now. You know, depending how the game goes. It's, it's one of those ones where it's like Indiana is not going to put up a fight with this. I could see Devin Brown playing a lot. I really could. I was just going to get to this, Robert, on Facebook. Facebook coming strong today. You know, yeah. the show does well on Facebook, um, but it seems like – Majority of comments usually during the live show come from YouTube. Facebook's coming strong today. I mean, we got plenty of YouTubers in here too, but um, Robert's asking a question that I know is on the mind of a lot of Buckeye fans. And then there's been other people that have alluded to this in the comments and questions on the live show. But we're going to use Robert's here. He says, if the quarterback race is so close, could they consider playing both? Bax just answered it. Now, I did ask Ryan Day that very question on Monday. I said, if it really is that close between Devin and Kyle, um, is, is there a chance you could play both? And his, his answer was, I guess there's a chance. And people kind of took that and ran with it and are like, oh, no, dreaded two-quarterback system. I'm telling you, just the way he answered it, his tone, and just, hit, you know, he gave me like a, like, a, like a pretty long answer. Guys, my vibe is he wants nothing to do with the two-quarterback system. Now, what Bax described is not a two-quarterback system. What that would be is Kyle starts the game, but they make sure Devin gets reps at some point. Um, or if Kyle's not playing well, that's a completely different story. But I don't think they're going to go two quarterback system where this guy plays, you know, like Justin Zwick and Troy Smith in the uh, 05 Texas game, for example. Or dare I bring up um, Joe Germain and Stanley Jackson or John Cooper. JT Barrett and Cardale Jones. Yeah, I mean, and John Cooper was the only one other than, I guess, Stanley Jackson and his family that didn't know Joe Germain was clearly the best quarterback. But I digress. Guys, I do not think we're going to see a two quarterback system, but. First three games, could both guys get a chance to play when the game is on the line? Yes. I don't think that's a contradiction. That To me, that's not the same thing as a two-quarterback system. But then by Notre Dame, you need to have your guy. You need yeah. to have your guy. And that's just it. If you look at the schedule, it sort of sets up to let both guys play a little bit early and kind of get a barometer of how they do in a live game, right? That's one of the biggest things I, th I, I think when you talk about these first couple games is Ohio State's a monster favorite in each of these three games. So it's an opportunity to go out there and say, hey, let's look how Devin Brown looks with the ones, right? Versus how does Kyle McCord look at the ones, right? And at the same time, it allows you to say, hey, you know, somebody force – I mean, are you forcing the ball to Marv if you're McCord because you were buddies in high school and you're not coming off your first look? I don't know. We're going to see. Um, does Brown tuck and run too quick? That's certainly a concern, right? If, you, if you're a guy who's – um, a big running guy. You don't make your first read and go. You want to make a couple reads and still sit in the pocket. You have to balance it, right? So it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch play out here. But I think, and, and here's the thing, next week you could easily have Ryan Day walk out and go, we're naming Kyle McCord the starter because Ryan Day, like you said, he wants nothing to do with not knowing who his guy is. I think he expected to come into camp here. And I think a little bit of this is directly related to the fact that I think he's disappointed that McCord hasn't taken the job because I think 
that's what Ryan Day expected to have happen. Remember, this is the guy he handpicked. He was the number one QB on Ryan Day's board a couple years ago. They took him over J.J. McCarthy over in Michigan. This was a guy who that Day handpicked thinking he would be his guy. And this was supposed to be the time where he walked in as his guy. Maybe that's going to still happen, right? But it's not a shoe-in like some of these obvious ones have been in the past. Where you're like, no, that's the guy. No, that's the guy. All right, last one. We'll finish with a YouTube question because um, Facebook's just been dominating the questions. A last one on the show here from Michael on on YouTube. Starts off with the Go Bucks. He said, thoughts on quarterback recruit Ryan Montgomery, not including the Bucks in the top five. Well, I've got – I almost said i got two words for you. I've got three words for you. Tavian St. Clair. That's why. They are in the same class. They're both Ohio quarterbacks. Ohio State picked the guy they wanted. Um, mm-hmm. hopefully there's no hard feelings because you know they like Luke Montgomery at uh, offensive tackle who's going to be on the two deep right away as a true freshman which is a cool story in camp um, so that's why they've got Tavian St. Clair the kid from uh, Bell Fountain who's in the exact same class they just picked St. Clair over Montgomery and Montgomery doesn't want to be the second fiddle he wants to go somewhere where he's the guy in his class it makes sense yeah and that's it's that simple and if you look through his final five arts three SEC schools Penn State and Michigan so is this going to set up to be one of those rare situations where uh, you have brothers on the opposite side of the the Michigan game? I, I'm I'm very curious to see what happens with that. If I had to guess, I think he's going to Penn State, but we will have to see, and it's going to be interesting there. Um, but we're also at the point in the time of the season where, you know, unless this is D lineman in recruiting for 2024, I'm getting ready for for the regular season. Right? Let me know if we can get. Lightfoot flip. There's some of the other things that we're worried about on defense here, right? Get back to me when Edric Houston commits, hopefully to Ohio State. But at the same time, I'm in full camp mode at this point, right? Like, and I, the coaches, they can worry about the recruiting side of things, right? But they made their choice at quarterback. St. Clair is a borderline five star guy. He's a top three quarterback in the country. Sometimes you happen to have two really good ones and you can only take one. That simple. That's exactly right. Great stuff as always from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket. It's must-read material. Thank you to Bax. Programming note, we were going to interview the tight ends. Yeah, I really like this tight end group. I mean, Joe Royer's banged up right now, but Cade mm-hmm. Stover is going to be just an absolute animal this year. His, it's just, just his second full year playing tight end. I think we have to remember that. I think the one thing he needs to do just be more of – you know, those tougher catches just be a little bit more sure-handed. And, you know, we know blocking, he's tough and big enough to do it. But now I think he'll be more of a uh, precision blocker. I think he's going to have a fantastic year. And I love the news that G. Scott Jr. is coming on strong. Um, so we had Jelani Thurman, the, the young man-child. So we're going to talk to the tight ends after practice today, as well as tight ends coach Keenan Bailey. So keep it locked to Bucknuts for coverage of that. Thanks to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Really appreciate you guys joining us for the show. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Go Bucks.